Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. I'd like to welcome you to our new series, The Kingdom of God and What Went Wrong with the Human Brain. In this series, we'll explore what has happened to humanity and what God has done to set humanity right. Why are we so addicted to sin? Why are we so selfish? It's our hopes to establish in your minds and our minds too the the problem that humanity has, and by doing so, come to understand that the wrong treatment, even if administered with more frequency and intensity, will still produce undesirable results. Jesus Christ, of course, is that treatment or that remedy. But what does that mean? Teachers teach people what to think. Educators educate on how to think. In this series, we're not here to tell you what to think, but only to lay out evidence so that together we can all learn how to reason and think better. It's going to be fun. Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to search out your character in your word and in the world around us. Lord, we just ask that right now you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us into all truth, and to um, help us to apply to our lives the things that we discover. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So first off, let's talk about that statement, the wrong treatment, even if administered with more frequency and intensity, will still produce undesirable results. What does that mean? Well, I don't know if you've ever had pneumonia or viral pneumonia, um, but if you have, you know that antibiotics won't take care of it. What would happen if you had uh, viral, viral pneumonia and you were prescribed antibiotics? You'd probably get a little worse, and if you kept taking the antibiotics with more frequency and more intensity, you would even get worse. Right. So the, the physician could double your dose and still wouldn't do you any good. It, it just wouldn't. And, and you know, this, this holds true in all aspects of, of life. Um, if, you're, if you're using the wrong fix, the more you use it, the more intense you use it, it's still not going to fix things. If you've got a leak in your roof and you're going to put a bucket on the floor to catch the water, the bucket's not going to fix the problem. Right. Uh, you can you can redo the sheetrock on the ceiling time and time again, but if you don't fix the leak in the roof, you can put sheetrock on all day long. It's not going to fix the problem. And the problem is, is that it not only does it not fix the problem, but the problem gets worse and worse. It get, continues to get worse and worse. Uh, so, Susan, what was the first wrong treatment you remember prescribing to yourself? Well, I, it... it, it we had discussed this earlier, and it's about it's surrounding the fact that I was sexually molested when I was younger. And um, when those things happened to me, I began to tell myself uh, things that weren't true. I began to tell myself lies, such as I was ugly, um, I was dirty, unlovable. 
and I had all this darkness come into my mind, and that is, um, that that's that's how I how I moved through this that experience. Now, you, you know, it's interesting because because you were very young at the time, correct? Right. And w- what happens is a child at that age does not everything enters the brain unfiltered by logic and reason, reason, whether it's external or internal, whether it's someone telling you something or whether it's thoughts that come into your head, it's all unfiltered by logic and reason because we're not capable at that age to reason. And so you tell yourself lies at that age, then you believe lies at that age, and it becomes a part of the foundation of who you are. And the rest of your life, you're going to look through that lens right. of being unlovable, dirty, and, and all these kinds of things. And, and then what happens is, is when things get bad, you prescribe that treatment to yourself over and over and over again. It doesn't work, does it? No, and it becomes ingrained into your mind. Like you were saying, it's your foundation. So not only does it your foundation, but it becomes your daily habits. It becomes the way you treat yourself, the way you treat other people are all all coming from this false foundation. Yeah, so, and uh, it's kind of obvious. I mean, who would walk in on a five-year-old that's being molested and say that she's dirty, that she's unlovable, that she's worthless? Nobody in their right mind would, yet the five-year-old diagnoses herself that way, and it is all about the diagnosis. Um, and, of course, to prescribe a treatment you first must diagnose the problem correctly. Let's go back to Eden and see if we can do a little diagnosing ourselves. Why is this biblical record there? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say, come, let us reason together? So let's go back to, re- to Eden, and let's reason, uh, let's reason through, and let's ask a couple questions. What are the questions we want to ask? Well, we, we always discuss, um, how did the human race get damaged? What went wrong with our first birth? You know, wouldn't we all agree together that we're messed up from birth? And doesn't Jesus say that you must be born again? This tells me that there's something wrong with our first birth. Now, if we can go to Genesis 1.26, um, the Bible begins by saying, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. See, yeah, and see, Edom was the kingdom of God, total unselfish love. And man in total and complete harmony with his creator. It was beautiful. And God was able to give man an entire planet and give him dominion over that planet because of this service of love. See, God desires from all of his creatures a service of love, a service that springs from an appreciation of his character. He takes no pleasure in a forced obedience. And to every person on this planet, in fact, every creature in the entire universe, he grants freedom of will that they may render him the voluntary service of love. What does John 13:35 say? If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you're my disciples. So how are Christians known? Do we I mean, do we when we see Christians or when we're in and amongst Christians, what are they more known by? Loving one another or keeping rules? And the which raises the big question 
is the Bible a code book of rules of things to do and things not to do? The do's and the don'ts? If that were the case, Rahab should have never lied. But there was an underlying principle behind what she did, and that's why she's in Hebrews chapter 11 listed as one of the heroes of faith. That underlying principle was that she was willing to risk her life to save life. That underlying principle was love. And see, we want to remember, what does the story say? You, you know what I'm saying? What does the story say? As we look through the Bible, we, can, we want to know what the story tells us about these people that God was reaching, uh, that were, you know, some of them were pretty messed up. Right. And in Hebrews 11, there's a list of people that are pretty messed up. And God went in and he, and he somehow straightened their lives out. And that's what the story says. Mm-hmm. And then Paul tells us in Romans, uh, specifically in Romans 12 and 13, uh, love one another warmly as Christians and be eager to show respect for one another. That's Romans 12, 10. In Romans 13, 8, 9, and 10, it sa- uh, Paul says, be under obligation to no one. The only obligation you have is to love one another. Whoever does this has obeyed the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not desire what belongs to someone else. All these and any other besides are summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you love others, you will never do them wrong. To love then is to obey the the whole law. Basically, you know, when I read those Ten Commandments, what sticks in my mind is don't take. Mm -hmm. Don't take your mother and father's reputation. Don't take someone's life. Don't take someone's stuff. Don't take someone's wife. Don't take someone's reputation. Don't even think about taking, because we're takers, and this is what we're going to delve into today about what happened in Eden and why did we become takers. You see, the law of life is the law of giving, the law of love, the law in which the entire universe is set up or built upon. And I would like to, to, to label God here, if I can, just for a second, as the master builder the master builder, he, he built things to work in cycles, to give right. and to take and to give and to take. Right, because sometimes we say, well, he's the creator, he's the creator, but but, in but re- he, he really he, was he's this the mastermind. master right. builder, designer. Right. I mean, think about the oceans. They give their water to the clouds. The clouds go over to the mountain. They give their water to the mountains and fill up the lakes, and the lakes give their water to the streams, and the streams give their water back to the ocean, and the ocean gives it back to the clouds. And we see this cycle in everything, everything gives in a cycle. Our breath, we breathe out oxygen. The trees take that oxygen and they make, I'm sorry, we breathe out carbon dioxide. Yeah. <laughs> I got it crossed up. <laughs> we breathe out carbon dioxide and the trees take the carbon dioxide and they make oxygen and they give it back to us. It's a cycle. It's a symbiotic it, relationship. It's a very nice relationship. Yes. I'm glad the trees do that for yes. us. The law of, law of life the circulatory system. Why is it called the circulatory? Because it's a cycle, it's a circle of life. And what happens, especially, you know, in the um, sacrificial system, what do you suppose that represented? You know, we know that the lamb represented Jesus, but when they severed the, the, the vein there in the throat, it broke the circular, circulation of the circulatory system, and death occurs. Death occurs. Mm-hmm. You know, I can walk over to the switch here in the studio, and I can break the circuit on the electricity, and the light will go out. But as soon as I complete the circuit or the cycle, the light will come back on. Everything works this way. The law of economics. What happens when we start to go into a recession? The government will print money, 
and put that money into circulation mm -hmm. so that the so economy will die if money's not in circulation. Uh, and, of course, the law of cooperation. I really like this one, the law of cooperation, especially uh, I love working with concrete. And when everybody cooperates on a concrete crew, I won't say it's easy for everyone, but the job goes well and it comes out really nice. You know, I mean, if, if the, f the first guy does his job right, the next guy does his job right, everybody does it all the way up, it's, uh, it's – it works good. I mean, you can you can think of the law of cooperation in any aspect. Kind of like the, a law of harmony. Harm very yeah. yeah, exactly a law of harmony, which works well in music also. But it's a law of harmony when people are working together. There's nothing better than watching a crew work together in harmony. They all have a common goal, and they're all watching out for one another. And they're and it's just a law of cooperation. It's it, it's just the way things are. The master builder put things together this way. Um, what does it say in Galatians Galatians 5.13? As for you, my friends, you were called to be free, but do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, let love make you serve one another. And in Hebrews 10.24, let, let us be concerned for one another to help one another to show love and to do good. In other words, give. And I was surprised when I did the search on this how much the Bible is constantly reminding us, give, give, love, give, give. I mean, the, and the master builder, he put us together so that even down at the cellular level, we have this principle of giving. Um, what happens when a virus enters your cell? It gets in there because it mimics the RNA and the DNA. The cell thinks it's its own. It allows it to reproduce in the cell, and it consumes. It's selfish. It takes, it takes, it takes. From that cell until that cell dies, it moves to other cells. It takes, it takes, it takes until the host finally dies. But you have something in your body to prevent this. What, what are those little guys? It's the white blood cells. White blood cells. And what, what do they do? They come and they give their life so that you might they live. Come, yeah, they come and give that you might live. So even down at the cellular level, we have this principle of giving, and it's beautiful. What does Luke 6.38 say? Give to others and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands, all that you can hold. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. And it's just the way things are. If you have a garden hose or you have a fire hydrant and you turn them both on, which one is giving more? The fire hydrant. And which one is going to receive more because it's giving more? The fire hydrant. It's just the way things are. It, so, it, the master builder set it up that way. That's right. John ten seventeen and 18. The Father loves me because I am willing to give up my life in order that I might receive it back again. No one takes my life from me. I give it up of my own free will. And once again, that's how it was in Eden. Total unselfish love, man in total and complete harmony with his creator, but something happened. Right. In Genesis two fifteen, the word the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may sh surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what is evil? It's selfishness. You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so the big question, the question that, that people have debated over for years and years and centuries and centuries, why did God do this? Why would God put a tree of knowledge and good and evil 
right there on a perfect planet. Well, what's the first thing you give someone when you love them? It's the ability to hurt you. This is what God, in other words, and um, it wasn't a test of loyal in the sense that God was testing them, testing Adam to see if he would be loyal. This was simply God revealing his character of love to the entire universe. Of love and freedom. Love and freedom. That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus died for you, so that you could be free. To free to think the way you want to think, and, and if free to reject God. Because what is love if it doesn't have the potential of someone rejecting? It, it's, it, you know, um, it, it would be like this. Okay, first, God created man, and he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And then man looked at God when he woke up. And I wonder what his first thought was. But let's just imagine this. Let's imagine I could take a computer chip, and I could put it behind Susan's ear, and I could program that computer chip that when she woke up, she would fall in love with the first person her eyes, uh, laid on, her, who she laid our eyes on. And so I put the computer chip in, and lo and behold, it works. And she wakes up, and she looks at me, and she falls in love with me, and everything's great, right? But there's a problem. Who's loving me? You're loving yourself. Through you. Right. It's sick if I program somebody to love me. Right. That's, we would say that, that is like really weird. So God would never program his creatures to love him. So with love comes the, the first thing you give someone when you love them is the ability to hurt you. It's just the way things are. Right. So many times we're in the prison, uh, you know, that, that, that question comes up. It comes up, well, why did God allow that to happen? And then we have to talk about individual freedom. Would we want our freedom restricted? And we always say no. Right. What, you know, right. why do good things happen to, or bad things happen to good people? Right. Well, we want, we want to be free. But then we want God to control everybody else to not do things, right. you see? And this, this planet is free. It's free to choose the devil, or it's free to choose God's ways. Now, God's ways are life. They're the ways of giving, sharing, and loving. If you choose that way, that way leads to life. It's just the way things are. But if you choose the other side, if you're a taker, then you're, you're choosing death. You're choosing yeah. self, selfishness, and death is the result of those actions. And remember, Jesus says, I can't understand it. Why do you choose death? Right. Why do you choose death? And they heard the, in Genesis 3, 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was what? I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Here's what happened. Fear and selfishness and a desire to save self at all costs entered the brain of Adam. This changed the human race forever. Adam had broke trust with God. But what do I mean? Broke trust with God. What does that mean? Are we not the bride of Christ? Are we not married to him? Let's look at it this way. If I get off work and I stop at a strip bar on the way home, what have I instantly done to Susan and mine's relationship? I've compromised it. What have I done to our marriage? I've broken trust. Adam broke trust with God, and immediately he experienced guilt and shame. Right, because we see, we see God didn't do anything to Adam. It was a result of sin, the wages of sin 
is death. Transgression is what causes the damage. So, so I stop at this strip bar on the way home. Now, when, let's just picture myself coming in the front door. Can I look my wife in the eye? No way. Why not? She hasn't done anything wrong. Why can't I look her in the eye? Why couldn't Adam look God in the eye? Right. Why, did, why didn't he just come to him as a loving parent and say, I've done wrong, take accountability for what he's done? Why did he hide? Right. Fear and selfishness entered the mind. We weren't, we weren't designed. The master builder did, did, did not design us to have those emotions. And so here's where it gets interesting. Then God says, who told you you were naked? You're not getting that from me, Adam. Who told you you were naked? And what is the, and, and it, well, the interesting thing is, and this is what we do. We do it not only with God. We do it with everybody around us sometimes. Remember, Adam's, he's, he's not happy with himself, and God is asking him, who told you you were naked? And now Adam says, I'm not happy with me. I'm going to project. God is not happy with me either. I'm angry with myself, so God is angry with me. I hate myself, so God hates me. And the list goes on and on and on. And therefore, Adam hides himself. Now remember, they were best friends the day before. Right. They were in perfect harmony. And now God is chasing after man, and man is running from God, and man is projecting his own guilt and shame back on his creator. And kind of what happens in Genesis 3.12? Genesis 3.12, the man says, The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent serpent deceived me, and I ate. How did the serpent deceive Eve? Who were the questions about, Eve or God? Remember what the serpent said? Hath God not said? In other words, you can't trust God. Right, and I think we need to go back to the whole accountability thing with uh, when Adam said, you know. He oh, was- yeah, because, see, here's the woman he's willing to die for, right? He's in love with her. Thank you, God, for giving me this woman. And then he narks on her. Right. The woman you gave me. The woman you gave me, yeah. right? And so then in, we find now in Genesis chapter 5, when Adam, in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3, when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness and after his image, and he named him Seth. You find that interesting. It's no longer after the image of God. Now it's after the image of Adam. Right, because and he had changed. That's what happened to the human brain. He had changed, changed himself. Fear and selfishness entered into the brain, and ever since then we've been born. We're, we're not, we are not born, uh, we are not born guilty we're born sinners. Right, and it's, it's, what is the Bible about? It's about man with God in Eden in the beginning. It's about man with God in Eden or in the new earth, in the Revelation, in the end of the Bible. And all through the Bible, it's about man running from God and God chasing after man because man is afraid. And he's been run by fear. He's, he's overcome by fear. He's overcome by selfishness. And this is at the root of addiction, people. Uh, we, we all choose a way to self-medicate because of fear and selfishness. We all choose to, um, and a lot of times it's imperceptible. And and you'll find even with uh, 
if if you you don't abuse substances, uh, you'll find that a lot of times we want to escape from life with behaviors. We want to bury ourselves into certain behaviors to Computers. get away from the pain. Computers, Facebook, what you name it. TV. TV. Um, <clears throat> you know, our phone number uh, for, at Justice I Am Ministries is 916-645-1297. And if you have somebody that's struggling with an addiction or I- issues trying to trying to overcome bad habits or something that's taken them down, a behavior, a substance, or whatever, uh, don't hesitate to call us. Or you can go on our website at www.justasiamministries.org, and you can and you can uh, get in contact with us then. Okay, so we have a lot of free resources that we're, we mail out, and we're more than willing to, to reach out to people. So uh, once again, folks, next time we're going to talk about being born again. And in other words, if there's something wrong with the first birth, we need a new birth. And so uh, that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And remember, folks, that there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the addiction recovery workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, Call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.